This is the episode for Sunday, February 19, 2023. It is not safe for work. Let's get started. Today is February 19, 2023. This is episode 29 of Sunday Morning Manga. I am Derek S. McGrath. My pronouns are he, him, his. I live stream here every Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern on Twitch and YouTube. The video recording is available Sunday afternoons on YouTube. And you can also listen to an audio version wherever you get your podcasts. You can read my writing on WordPress and other sites at Derek S. McGrath, and you can email me, Derek.S.McGrath at gmail.com. As with every Sunday, there is a live reaction to a new manga chapter as we return to the Piano Manga 6P and see the student years of the teacher Dada in Chapter 69. 6P is written and illustrated by Mapolo 3, translated into English by Junko Goda, with lettering by James Galbatz. The series is licensed in the United States by Viz, which you can read at their website, viz.com slash jump slash chapter slash pppppp. You can find links to 6P and other content on my website, deregsmcgrath.wordpress.com. There's also a script on my website that you can read along with while enjoying today's episode. And make sure to get vaxxed and masked up out there, people. We're not out of COVID. If you like what you're hearing, please consider a monetary contribution. Putting together this stream takes a bit of work and your tips help pay down costs for sub and subscriptions. One-time contributions can be sent to coffee.com slash and you can subscribe monthly at patreon.com slash for early access to content. Thank you for your consideration. And speaking of content on Patreon... Right now, you can get early access to my audio commentary for Episode 7 of Bungo Stray Dog Season 4. And, yeah, this episode confirmed my worst fear. Studio Bones is rushing the story. It's cutting stuff from the manga. The series has always been one where watching the anime on its own lets you get the story in the most bare-bones fashion... But reading the manga and the light novels actually enriches that story and makes it better, which, sorry, I think that means there is a failure to this anime. If you are having to go back to the source material, back to the manga, or having to get supplemental material to get the full plot, I don't think the anime is working on its own. I think that it's a good story. I think as a multimedia project, it's good. But on its own, the anime suffers plot-wise. In any case, you can hear more of my thoughts about this episode. Please check out that audio commentary. You can listen to it while you watch Bungo Stray Dogs on Crunchyroll. You can get that commentary now at the $5 tier at patreon.com slash Derek S. McGrath. This audio commentary will be available for free on Tuesday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to my Coffee and Patreon contributors, including Emily Lauer, Alec Roach, and Alexis Duran. I appreciate your financial support. Purchases on my Amazon wishlist are also appreciated. Link is in the description.
And now on to today's live reaction. This time we're looking at chapter 69 of the Piano Manga 6P. The last time we looked at 6P was chapter 57 on November 13, 2022. Since that time, 6P has been juggling various plot lines and now it moves into yet another plot. This one a flashback arc about the teacher Dada. But we'll get to that. I want to first recap what has happened in the manga, so let's discuss the previous chapters. Chapter 57, Fanta pretty much wins a piano competition using his magic to rip apart his brother Lucky's performance of the train and reshaping it into a theme park. Chapter 58 picks up immediately after. After Fanta's performance, he realizes he has done this performance instead of rushing to the hospital where his mother is about to die. This plotline in 6P already has hit me hard after the loss of one of my own parents. It's been hitting me a lot harder this week. It's going to be hitting me hard this upcoming week, so it's all difficult to take in. I appreciate the paneling when Fanta realizes he gave up seeing his mother to instead perform. It's not the most complicated paneling we get from Apollo 3. What we get is his mother, her back turned away from us, the viewer. She's framed by just the white background. She's separated from her son. She's not even facing him. You can read it as much as his feeling that she abandoned him as I think you could read it that he's turned away from her as well. The text box we get from Fanta telling us what he thinks just emphasizes how these are two people who can't face each other. It's summarized by, as I'm literally going to quote Fanta, the text box just says, whatever. Moving on to chapter 59, this is where I have blocked a lot of memories reading this chapter. This chapter, titled Remembering a Little Bit in the Last Moments, is lucky by his mother's bed at the hospital right as she dies. She, on her deathbed, is remembering her past, how she met her future husband, how that relationship fell apart, how she lost contact with her children. Lucky and his family arrive just as she dies. The last page, like chapter 58 is using simple but effective paneling. It's just a black page, and all that takes up any space on it is one solitary sound effect of the long, drawn-out beep of her heart monitor ending. Chapter 60 leaves the hospital and brings us back to the concert hall, where Furushu had already complimented Fanta's performance. This chapter, chapter 60, is titled Furushu's Core. She has been watching Fanta from afar. As Fanta is talking up with the concert attendees, but she's been paying attention to him. She's the one who gets what his music accomplishes and can see what everyone else is missing, such as him wiping away his tears. 
whether that's because of regret not being with his mother as she died, whether it's being overwhelmed by his own emotions about his performance and whether he's really as good a player as he wants to be. I mean, it's probably all of that, but it's left up in the air with Perushu being the only one to really notice he is crying. But even though this chapter is continuing Fanta's story and the aftermath of his performance, as the title indicates, Furushu is who we're supposed to pay attention to, and we're going to see that come up later in the manga. For all nitpicks I usually make about having competing plot lines, I do appreciate how 6P intertwines so many stories. So, Keep an eye on Furushu as she leads naturally from this piano concert to reminding us that Lucky is still out there to getting us to those flashbacks of Dada's student years that should be in today's brand new chapter that we're going to do a live reaction to in a moment. When Furushu has been thinking about Fanta's performance, her thoughts get interrupted by a certain owl-eyes conductor. This is Picasso Accardi. And keep Accardi in mind as well. He'll be important when we transition to Dada's flashback. Accardi points out Furushu to the rest of the concert attendees. He identifies her and says she's the one who recognizes what makes Fanta's performance so good. Accardi says that a genius's work can only be appreciated if that work is loved. In other words, without an audience, art can't exist. I'm not entirely sure what to take from this moment. If you've been following along to my commentaries for Bungo Stray Dogs, they were trying to do a similar point when it comes to an actor is only as good as the audience that actor has presence. That an actor is not the star of the show paradoxically it's the audience if you don't have an audience you can't get a performance that may be what we're getting here i know that it should be as simple as what i just said but it's also a paradox so i'm not entirely sure what to take from this moment especially because akardi immediately turns around and leaves after that very abstruse comment so this sounds more like Akardi giving a mission statement for this manga and I'm trying to suspend thinking about it anymore and just allow myself to see where does this message go as the series continues how will the manga return to Akardi's comments and complicated or let it reach some conclusion for whatever happens to Lucky and the other characters. Accardi's remark feels like a message that I am not appreciating, likely because I'm not as close to 6P as I am to other series. Don't get me wrong, I still enjoy the artwork. This is one of the few manga where I am reading it more for the artwork than for the story itself. But because I'm not as close to the plot and the characters, I don't appreciate how this moment is defining a change that we do see with Furushu, or how it summarizes where Fanta's journey has ended. I mean, his story's not over, but 
this is the culmination of recreating a new performance or rather taking his brother's performance and changing it into something new but at the cost of being able to say goodbye to his mother where his way of getting closure on his relationship with her is to practically dismiss her and just given that this is a very sentimental melodramatic manga I don't see that being the end of Fonta's relationship to his mother. I don't see this as the closure that he may think is here. I don't know if that connects with what Accardi is saying about you need an audience because I don't know that Fanta was expecting his mother to be in the audience. That would make this an entirely different series. So I'm curious to see how Accardi's message reflects on what happens to Fonta. If I had to take a guess, I think Akardi's message is less for Fonta than it is to Furushu, as we already clarified, her name is in the title of the chapter. His words, inspiring as they are, are here to clarify that Furushu is not the best musician, but she has a great ear, and that is needed for a great conductor like Akardi. So that is what Furushu should focus on, is being a conductor first. And we're pretty much going to get that confirmed. That is when Fanta practically says it directly to Furushu, saying, you know, I appreciate you complimenting my music, but, you know, you're not as good at the piano as you are as a conductor. I think that's where you should be going with your career. So... That's character progression for Furushu, and we're going to see it play out before we get to the Dada flashback. So I appreciate having that moment piercing through the narrative to directly say to the audience, this is where her journey needs to go next, and we are saying it directly so that you, the reader, are following. As for the paneling to this chapter... I talked before how 6P has its strength and how it makes music appear visually, like trippy scenes that you will expect out of the witch battles in Madoka Magica. But chapter 60 in particular is one that is all about blank space, or rather, a lot of solid blacks or solid whites as the background, with close-ups on characters' faces when they talk or when they react to center this chapter on the character's progression or the weight of what they are saying or hearing. As I said, because I'm not familiar enough with Furushu's character, I can't speak to whether this progression for her characterization is good or bad. I can say the artwork is emphasizing where our attention should be and it's on her hearing something and what she is thinking. That does help lend weight to what Akardi says by having the close-up be on how does Furushu react to what she just heard. Moving on to chapter 61, I'll skip a bit of the opening to rush right to Lucky at his mother's grave. I've whined at length about the problems of time skips in serialized narratives that you go from chapter to chapter and suddenly it's months or even years later. It's not quite that problem here, if only because moving the focus right after the mother's death back to Fanta, 
that's enough of a distraction to justify how we are now at a point where Lucky is already visiting his mother's grave, that she has already passed, her affairs have been settled, they have set up the grave marker for her. That has all been skipped over. This chapter uses her death for Lucky to reaffirm that goal he already had, to have all the siblings play music together. Granted, the goal originally was to play for her, so now it's going to have to be playing for her memory. But, if anything, this chapter is sidestepping that question that was posed earlier in the manga. I think it was a question posed by Fanta, who was asking Lucky, do you not realize how selfish it is what you're asking? I mean, it's noble for you to say you want the family to get together again, but that's still selfish. That's still Lucky trying to do something he wants, that his mother wants, but not necessarily what his siblings want, and not necessarily acknowledging that this kind of family trauma may not be something that can be fixed. I get the point that it is up to Lucky to convince his siblings. That is the problem of the story. That is the plot that propels action. It's not that Lucky is wrong to have that goal. Rather, it's that if you negotiate with someone, your own ambition and desires may not convince them. This is the challenge many of us who teach rhetoric have. When we're in the classroom, you're having to figure out when talking with a student, how do you, as a communicator, a writer, a speaker, how do you appeal to someone's logic, ethics, and emotions in a responsible manner. Like, how do you convince someone while sticking to the facts? How do you convince someone while not violating your own personal ethics? How do you tap into someone's emotions without guilting them into something? I don't know. I've been teaching this long, and I don't have an answer for how do you do all of this perfectly, because we're all practicing these skills to get better at them, and when it's something like this that is so far removed from typical classroom work, this is about family. Trying to get a classmate convinced in an essay or convince your teacher or a community leader is comparatively easier than trying to get family to do anything when that is fraught with conflicts. That can help you develop the plot to your story, but it may not honor what these characters want, not if you can't guide them in a believable way. And I say believable, not realistic. Realistically, this family probably would never reconcile. But whether by examples in real life or just what feels right in the story, yeah, it's believable that these siblings will end up performing the piano again, performing music again, but I don't know that that's realistic. What do you think? Had there been manga, anime, or other stories where you've seen the family reconciliation trope work really well? Or were there ones where you look at family reconciliation and think, this is tortuous and the story is not working? Let me know in the comment section, or you can shoot me an email, derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. Chapter 61 is still hokey. 
not in a bad way, but I just want to emphasize that 6P goes with cliches more often because they work, not because the story itself is lazy. You don't make these bizarre visuals for the piano performances and act like Chapter 61, which has two-page spreads of Lucky speaking to his mother and then having a butterfly appear in front of him you can't act like these cliches are bad just because they are cliches. We know these scenes are effective. We know these scenes are here to effectively communicate a point in a way that's going to be recognizable to as wide an audience as possible. We wouldn't have these psychedelic piano playing scenes if there wasn't talent in the story, in the artwork, and then punctuate all of that with something so understated and cliche if it wasn't to communicate that this is a clear message that needs to get through to the reader. The piano performance has to be as complicated as the artwork. The artwork has to be as hard to figure out because music is hard to figure out. But when you're trying to communicate what a character is feeling or how complicated a character's feelings are, you need something that is easy for the audience to understand. And if it's a cliche, so be it. If it's a butterfly appearing near Lucky to communicate that his mother is still with him and is still guiding his goals, so be it. If you want something groundbreaking in the artwork, in the paneling, go reread the piano chapters. But to get Lucky's moments land with readers, yeah, you can go with a cliché butterfly motif. That decision makes sure this moment hits readers over the head with how obvious it is. There is another plot in Chapter 61 and it leads into Chapter 62, that being our boy Sodome running into Sorachika at a church where he is playing Tempest. The paneling here is more interesting. It's matching Sword Chica's often supine nature. Lying back, nodding off, falling asleep, looking up to the sky. I mean, his name has the word Sora in it. I do like Chapter 62. While Sadame is not the main character to 6P, he was the protagonist of the one-shot that came before this series chronologically, so his journey keeps going. 6P has been really good taking older canonical content and weaving it into Lucky's ongoing story. I probably had this criticism in earlier chapters, but by now, the series has made it work to have so many characters who can be the protagonist of their own story and rather than having those stories compete with each other, it feels more like an entire world where we can pop in and check on what another character is going through and see where their story is going. In Chapter 62, Sadame has a debate with Sorchika. Sadame is trying to figure out whether just being an imitator on the piano is good or bad. Like, if you can't create something original, but can imitate a really good piano player well, isn't that good enough? Sword Chica chides Sadame for replicating and calls that, quote, logical output. 
instead of Sodome performing what he feels inside, he's just robotically soaking up what he hears and then regurgitating it. I know I'm reading into this story more than I should, but I do appreciate 6P for making this story as much for those of us who sometimes feel we are affectless, that we don't really convey much emotion or we don't convey what we feel as well as we want to. This is the problem with communication. Again, something I've had to work on for years in my writing or in teaching rhetoric. How do you get that thought or feeling in that little thought bubble above your head to match what is in the thought bubble above the audience's head? For Sodome, does he feel anything? And can he communicate that feeling to an audience? Or is he just picking up on other people's musical styles and regurgitating them without adding something new? It kind of makes me wonder whether Sodome's journey, if it wasn't this already, is going to lead into taking more of a jazz improvisational approach to music. And that's something that's going over my head because I'm not as close to the manga as I should be. But a debate between music that is rigidly following the rules as written on the sheet or music that is not just reinterpreting the sounds, but far more improvisational, changing what is already on the sheet. All of what we see with Sword Chica leads to chapters 63 and 64, where Sword Chica finally arrives at his mother's grave and finds Lucky already there. Chapter 65 gives us a cute story of what is a date between Mimin and Melody. I don't have much to add yet about this chapter. I really want to hurry up and get to the current arc and today's live reaction. I'll need to reread chapter 65, but I highly recommend checking that one out for a bit of a break to go back to Mimin and Melody. I'm going to skip. 67 and 60 sorry i'm also going to skip chapters 66 and 67 about the character arc for the character don so let's wrap up this recap and talk about chapter 68 in chapter 68 we return to furushu she is asking dada to enroll her in the conductor courses but dada has to explain well we don't have conductor courses at the school so she's going to have to finish her piano major first before she can really get into conducting. This means her attention is going to be divided, and that's mirrored in the story by her attention being divided even in this conversation. Even as she's keeping up with Dada's discussion, she's also thinking about how sad and lucky has been since his mom's passing. Chapter 67 touches a bit upon this. We see Lucky's classmates are also worried, but we're not getting Lucky's side in this chapter. Furushu fears for Lucky, and those fears are shared by Dada. Like, I'm a little bothered that we're not getting as much interiority from Lucky. We did have his thoughts as he was before his mother's grave, but not having Lucky connect back with his classmates and teacher 
is robbing the story and these characters progression by not allowing Lucky to verbalize with them, to engage with them so we can see how he has changed since his mother's passing. It's instead having characters speaking on his behalf. It's his classmates who speak about being worried for him. It's Furushu who speaks about being worried for him. It's Dada also thinking about Lucky and after thinking what the composer Akardi had said to Dada, it all leads Dada back to thinking, you know, this reminds me of a time when I was in school. And these flashbacks are what leads into chapter 69, where we get to see Dada was quite a punk rock kind of a character. So we jump into today's library action to see how Dada's school days led him to become the kind of teacher he is today. Before I read this chapter, just going to throw out a guess. I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to get something similar to Aizawa's high school years. So if you read My Hero Academia Vigilantes, and you can see how that story showed how Aizawa got to the point he's at today, I think that's what we're going to get with Dada. But let's just get on with it. This is chapter 69 of 6P. This manga is written and illustrated by Mapolo 3, translated into English by Junko Goda, with lettering by James Galbots. The series is licensed in the United States by Viz, which you can read at their website, viz.com slash shonenjump slash chapter slash pppppp. We start with a splash page and we can see someone's hair hanging off from the right or rather from the left side. Dada has their back turned as they're walking along a bridge over a canal and we see someone's very long distinctive braided ponytail behind him walking in the opposite direction. We can see, and forgive me if this was already clarified in the manga earlier and I wasn't paying attention, I now see why Dada always wears that hat because his bald head literally has tattooed on it letters. We can see the Da up there, and that's what chapter 69 is literally titled, Da, D-A. We get two pages showing Dada speaking at the concert hall with one of their classmates who has said they will no longer be in the piano program and also saying they're not going to go on to college either. They thank Dada saying it was fun to study under the same teacher together, but this is where they're going to separate. Dada watches as their friend disappears down the subway and all Dada can say is that I was born the son of a musical instrument seller. I've always played the piano, my favorite instrument. For some reason, I thought I was meant to be a pianist, but I learned. And that's when we see that distinctive braided ponytail again with a certain someone at the piano. We now see hands that look like they're reaching out to something. 
but everything is collapsing around them. Because at that moment, it was Dada who was listening to who I assume is Lucky's father. And I'm going to double check this because, as I said, not as close to the manga as I wish I was. So Dada was attending the same school with Lucky's father. And it was hearing Lucky's performance that made him realize I'm just not cut out for this. What is bizarre is Dada's word choice in these text boxes saying that it's Gakuon who had been born privileged. Now, that's coded as part of his genius as opposed to wealth. As we see with Gakuon, a troubled childhood, his own struggles, so it's not like Dada can look at this and not appreciate here is another piano player who also has faced adversity. But for Dada, having already said being the son of a musical instrument seller, it's hard for me not to read class as part of this and not to read that it's also Dada realizing, well, I grew up with these instruments, I should just be good at them, and not appreciating that Sometimes you just don't have the same skill set someone else does for any variety of reasons. And it doesn't have to be some genetics eugenesis argument. It's just you have different skills than this person has. Dada again falls into despair thinking about economics. As he rides his motorcycle, he's thinking, am I just some peasant? The rain is hitting so hard, and Dada is now narrating that I was so, that my dreams were so shattered that I got a motorcycle license and went on a journey to get away from reality. I don't want to be too hard on this series because, again, it's a cliche, it's effective, but it's still a cliche. This seems like it's setting Dada's story up as being so melodramatic that it's a little hard to take seriously, even as we see that, based on how this two-page spread on pages 8 and 9 are going, I don't think this is going to end well for Dada. He hears thunder, he's already surprised by the noise, and it's not just that his helmet gets shattered. This doesn't look like the accident yet, if that is indeed what we're about to see. It's instead, the helmet is dissolving into rocks. This, to me, is either the sound of thunder becoming itself like music, and that is doing to him what Gakuon's performance was doing to him, or it is going to be some weird parallel to say, that Dada got into a motorcycle accident and that somehow combined with having his musical world shattered is what broke him. But let's flip to the next page and see what happens. And sure enough, it was an accident or in this case looks to be a landslide. So I'm not sure what the liquid is, but the rocks are definitely something that hit him from the landslides. This series continues to be so trippy, and my most minor of criticism, not necessarily saying this is bad, just the most 
basic sense of what we mean by criticism, that being to have a critical eye to something. When you have the music breaking reality, and then you have the rock slide being presented as another break from reality, it gets hard to know what is the baseline normal in this series, to know that when something veers outside of normal art, how we are to react to it as... Is this now magic? Is this now an Albayu experience? Is this still reality? That's not a fair criticism for me to make because this is a very cartoony series. When we see Lucky getting overwhelmed by emotions and his head turns into a literal five-sided star because of how his hair is already shaped, I can't really sit here and criticize the really good artwork done on... What happens to Dada's helmet, especially when this is having to be, this is the art having to now communicate so much more because we don't see Dada's face because of the motorcycle helmet. These, granted, are choices that Mapula 3 makes to say, I'm going to put a helmet on him so you can't read his facial expressions. That makes their work as the illustrator that much harder. But when you had the deliberate choice of repeating the panel twice of the motorcycle helmet wearing Dada looking up and on the second iteration had the collapse of reality and the rock slides, sometimes you just had to accept the artwork is diverging from something more realistic and it's to communicate something. In this case... This is an earth-shattering change for Dada, so of course you are going to have the artwork be as trippy here as it was when Gakuon's piano playing destroyed Dada's dream. Going to the next pages, we pretty much go right past how Dada survived all of that. We're only told by a miracle he survived, whether that's because he barely dodged the avalanche or whether it's because he was well in the hospital and we're just skipping those parts for now, we're told that was the first miracle, and then a second miracle happened, and we see the piano again. So Dada was indeed injured. He's now bandaged on his head, which happens to cover the tattoo. His teacher instructs, or rather, his teacher says... I would tell you not to play while you're injured, but you just played the song Tempest, and it felt like I got caught in a landslide. We see Dada's hand is bandaged. It wouldn't surprise me if there were also, sorry for squeamish content, it wouldn't surprise me if there were metal bolts in his hand to protect him. The soft sounds that emanated from the piano, thanks to my injured hands, became a performance you could viscerally experience. And Dada comes away from this thinking, oh, maybe now I can win. Dada just got horribly injured and is still focusing on a one-sided competition. What becomes the problem and what does clarify the privilege that Gakuon has is that Dada is entering a piano competition that Gakuon's own patron is already sponsoring. I'm a little confused. Maybe that's... Maybe that patron was Lucky's mother. Like I said, I haven't been as close to the manga as I really should be. Again, we have Dada's narration as he again insists that it's not just that Gakuon is 
really practiced and really good. It has to be he was born special. I wanted him, someone treasured by everyone, to experience my piano performance. See, I was misreading that, thinking for a moment that it would stop with I wanted him, which would definitely change the context of what we're reading. I wanted him to understand what it means to be normal and average, to know the feeling of not being particularly special. I appreciate this a bit more for what it communicates about Dada being a mentor to Lucky and probably seeing a bit of himself in Lucky now. It robs a bit of what came before. Again, maybe this was already clarified that Dada and Lucky's dad were classmates, but I almost wish that they hadn't made this choice. It robs a little bit of Dada wasn't seeing himself in Lucky. It robs a bit that Dada wasn't doing this because of who Lucky is related to. It's all, it's a little too convenient. It's a little we're trying to connect everyone's story together instead of recognizing that maybe Dada had other classmates and they weren't necessarily Gakuon. We now go to the next two-page spread and it's an entire audience of Gakuon's with so we had the one who's bright white and then the ones who are more shadowy but whose eyes are now very bright we wrap up here with another two-page spread showing that gakuon was laughing happily it's a little bit of work there to have the dialogue or the narration from dada say he was laughing happily we had that there i assume to communicate that either Gakuon is legitimately pleased or he's happy because he thinks he is better than Dada. Why I'm saying this is that using the word laughing doesn't really communicate the emotion of the laughter, whether it's sarcastic or not. Gakuon went home without playing. The story became quite the legend, but that's the reality of how I won. I didn't understand the meaning behind his smiling face. And that's why I gave up on becoming a pianist. The fact that Dada doesn't understand the reason why he's smiling and why he left. I'm not sure what to do with that. This isn't the most compelling conclusion to this chapter. I mean, it's going to keep you reading to the next one and now sets up a new mystery. But something feels lacking and... I mean, granted, this owes to a lot of this chapter now is depending on let's show a two-page spread that is far more abstract and now has the piano keys all in black, all against a black background, with one of them having a little light shining off of the tip of it, but making it look more like a fuse being lit that's going to follow its path to an explosion. This is beyond me to figure out right now. So I will turn this into a question for you. What do you think is the meaning to the ending of this chapter? Why was Gakuon laughing happily? Why did this convince Dada to finally give up on becoming a pianist? And what do you think that little sparkle at the end of the line of piano keys is? Or are those lines not representing the piano keys, but something else? 
Let me know in the comments section or send me an email, derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to this week's Sunday Morning Manga. If you like what you heard, please let me know. Contributions at coffee.com slash Derek S. McGrath and patreon.com slash Derek S. McGrath are appreciated. Please include a note to let me know what you liked in the live stream and what you would like to hear more of. And your contributions give you the opportunity to recommend works for me to cover each week. Please include with your contribution what you'd like me to cover here. You can join other coffee and Patreon contributors such as Emily Lauer, Alec Roach, and Alexis Duran. Thank you all for your support. And if you like what you heard or didn't like what you heard, please check out other people's awesome stuff. Links are included in the description for today's episode, but I do want to spotlight two people. First, voice actor, director, and illustrator Ayu will be signing autographs. You can learn more about any remaining autograph slots at streamily.com slash A-P-P-H-I-A-Y-U and hang out with her on Twitch this afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash hellopainapple. Second, I want to share artwork by the illustrator Golden Sun Deer. A few days ago, I had asked, Bungo Stray Dogs just cast... Takahito Koyashi as Nikolai Gogol, yet I don't see any artwork of Koyashu's other character, Excalibur from Soul Eater. Given the two had the same fashion sense, personalities, and, of course, actor, then Golden Sun Deer created some excellent artwork showing that even a silly boy like Gogol can only tolerate so much buffoonery. Check out Golden Sun Deer's art and commission them at twitter.com slash golden sun deer. Check out their Gogol and Excalibur artwork. A link is included in the description for today's episode. And before we wrap up, if you are a registered voter in Wisconsin, please make sure to vote for a left-leaning candidate this Tuesday. There is an election coming up for an open judge position, and there are enough right-wing anti-choice weirdos on the courts in this country. Wisconsin doesn't need another one. We don't need another right-wing judge who is going to potentially throw electoral college votes towards the candidate that they want as opposed to who the voters want. If you are a registered voter in Wisconsin, please check the link in the description for a sample ballot and research who to vote for. And make sure you are not voting for a right-wing anti-choice weirdo. Please read the link from Daily Coast, also included in the description for today's show, about why Wisconsin is so important for the upcoming 2024 presidential election so that we can make sure there is a Democrat in the White House and not some fascist Republican. That's all for today. Music today included the tracks titled Los Angeles by Music Production, Sunshine by Lemon Music Studio, and Beautiful Piano by Less FM. These songs are royalty-free and available at Pixabay. Links are in the description. Next Sunday morning, let's get back to the snowman and the witch story with Ginka and Luna, Chapter 23. Please stay safe out there, people. Make sure to mask up, get vaccinated, register to vote, campaign against fascism, and learn and practice anti-bigotry. Until next Sunday, I've been Derek S. McGrath. You have a good afternoon. Bye. Sunday Morning Manga is intended for information and entertainment purposes only. 
is not endorsed by any companies mentioned, any persons mentioned, or any financial contributors mentioned. All names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights to their respected trademark and copyright holders. All original content is the intellectual property of the speaker, me, unless otherwise indicated. The views and opinions expressed on this live stream are those of the speaker, me, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any other persons mentioned in this stream.